Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. I am Peyton Warren, a senior strategist at the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. And I am one of your IML hosts. Today, we are going to tackle a topic that has been requested not only in like the Industrial Marketing Live Slack community several times over the last few months, but also like just with my clients that I work with at Gorilla76, it's been something that's come up in our strategy calls a lot um, since the end of last year going into this new year. And that is the topic of public relations, PR, earned media. And it is not something that we at Gorilla really do a lot with. Um, we can support it and like discuss it. And I think depending on uh, each marketer's background at our agency, we have more that we can add to the conversation or less. But uh, it's something that I know that as in-house marketers at industrial companies, manufacturers, you've got to deal with. Uh, you've got new products coming out. You've got um, announcements that you want to get out there, uh, newsworthy uh, things that need to be pushed into the media. And so we wanted to bring in uh, Eliana Novich to join us in this conversation today to talk about it. So Eliana is a PR and content strategy specialist at Two Rivers Marketing out of the great state of Iowa, Midwest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, and she works with uh, large B2B brands. So we are very excited to have Eliana join us. And uh, yeah, I'll just let Eliana say a little bit of hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and maybe just a nugget about Two Rivers, too. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm really excited to be here. I will admit this is actually my first time tuning into IML, but definitely am excited to be here and, and meet some new faces. Uh, like Peyton said, I work for Two Rivers Marketing, which is a full-service B2B marketing agency based in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I'm actually coming up with my two-year anniversary next month, um, and I work in our PR and content strategy department. Uh, we actually renamed our department within the last like three months from strategic communications to public relations and content strategy. And I think that really speaks to the importance of both um, and just how more and more they're really becoming a necessary um, part of overall marketing strategy. Um, my background is actually in journalism. I attended the University of Iowa and got my journalism degree there. Um, and I have all the love for journalists in the world, but kind of realized I wanted a more work-life balance. Um, and that's how I kind of pivoted into communications and public relations. And I just kind of fallen in love with it since. And especially industrial marketing. I work with a lot of industrial clients. And um, I was kind of nervous before joining Two Rivers if I would enjoy it. But it is such a fascinating world, as you guys all know. And I'm really excited to talk PR with you guys today. I can completely echo that sentiment of having the journalism background. I did print journalism in college and mm -hmm. really thought that I was going to go and be a reporter. And um, the money is just not there, folks. <laughs> yep. uh, and they want you to work six six days a week. Yeah, I was like, wow, is this what my life is going to be like? And then I found mm -hmm. communications. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. It was pretty nice. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, no, super happy to have you, uh, Eliana. And uh, Eliana and uh, Aaron uh, go, go uh, I don't know, way back? I don't know way how back. you guys met. but Preschool, like lifelong friends. I, I don't ever remember a time of Aaron not being in my life. So <laughs> what a treat. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, maybe we just jump in with like, and, and Aaron, yeah, feel free to, to, yeah. How about this? Aaron, you kick us off. Yeah. So Eliana, like, why even do PR? We talked about that it's public relations, but what does a strategy like really even mean? What's the purpose behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So I really think PR in its essence is really making sure that you are sh sharing the right message with the right people in the right way. Um, it really has a lot to do with building your brand credibility and really kind of closing that trust gap between your audience who you really want to convert into those potential clients, customers, um, and then just the general business that you are doing. Um, and it kind of comes in a lot of different formats and ways. I think PR is very much a flexible um, tactic and strategy and overall practice in marketing. Um, but like I said, at its core, it's really making sure that you're communicating that right message at the right time to the right people. Yeah, it's really just like another form of distribution channel. I think a common misconception, like I remember when I worked in-house, it's really easy for PR to just be thought of as like a free distribution channel. Yeah. Um, what, like, what would you say to that? 
Yeah. So I definitely think it's not just something that you can look at as like, oh, I'm ticking the box. You know, I got the press release done and, and I sent it out and I don't have to think about it. I think there is a lot of strategy and tactic that should be going into your PR if you want to do it well. Um, and that being said, too, it it does have the availability of earned in the sense that I am not paying for my message or my words to be there, but there's still a lot of effort and time and social capital that you're investing in building that relationship um, to continue to establish your brand, your reputation, I think just overall your expertise in the industry that you're working in. Yeah. In the chat, I just saw a comment that says, uh, it sounds a lot like marketing uh, and like, uh, yeah, right. It's, it's yes. like Aaron said, um, it, it's, it's kind of like just another channel uh, yeah. in your go-to-market motion. And I think some companies leverage it more than mm -hmm. others. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's a, maybe the next question would be like, when is it the right channel? Or mm -hmm. like, when do you, like, how do you know that your company should be leveraging it or when you should be leveraging it? Yeah, I definitely don't think PR has legs without other marketing tactics. I think it really needs to be integrated and in lockstep with whatever your other tactics are. You know, you really want that consistent message to be threaded throughout. And I think that's what your foundation of your PR strategy needs to be. It's kind of that fundamental messaging positioning about your brand, your company, your values, and then the products that you're looking and the solutions you're trying to provide to those um, that you're engaging um, I think really often it's easy to look at maybe what you're doing on the paid side and it's definitely getting those clicks, those impressions, but what is it doing to kind of help build, like I said, that uh, reputation and that credibility with your audience? We know that in industrial marketing and just overall in B2B, the buying journey is something that takes a long time. And a lot of that does have to do with your reputation and knowing that they can trust you as the solutions provider that they're looking for. And I think PR is really uh, an opportunity to engage people at those different points um, through a variety of you know ways of doing it. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but that PR takes many forms. And I think um, there's opportunities to leverage those different forms at different times as you're working to continue to build that relationship with your industry peers. But then also, like I said, the people that you're really trying to engage with your products. Yeah. And a lot of time, those like industry relationships are what's driving industrial business. But mm -hmm. those relationships can be with like individual salespeople or like mm -hmm. leaders at your company. And PR, I think, sounds like it's a good way for that to be more evergreen and tied to your company as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I think that PR really serves a purpose that it can be more long form and that there often tends to be a little bit more of the um, in-depth tactical side that you maybe don't always get with social or paid email. I just think it has a little bit more longevity to it than maybe some other tactics that we tend to execute with when it comes to kind of that overall integrated strategy. Um, again, I think not that those other strategies are not definitely a necessary part of your overall marketing tactic, but um, I think PR really has an opportunity to further establish yourself and your credibility and it really makes you an expert that people want to listen to versus just, oh, well, I've, I've bought you for a long time, so I'm going to go back to you. Um, you really kind of stay at the forefront of the conversation as things continue to develop. Yeah, I um, I think it's interesting because and folks will say like at least the conversations i've had with a lot of a lot of folks is you say pr and then they just immediately default to thinking just like placing in trade publications mm -hmm. only yep but i guess like you're you're saying longer form content so like that could incorporate um trade publications and like mm -hmm. articles like what what type of content creation like are you trying to go um after with like an effective pr strategy yeah absolutely so i think variety is key too um like i said when i think of public relations i think press release the other pr in public relations is um often a tactic that people kind of default to and they think that's what public relations is but like i said there's so much more to it um i think we're really seeing a shift in um trade media especially with thought leadership and those more contributed content pieces. So that's kind of speaking to that longer form article that I'm talking about, where you're really able to position those subject matter experts in your company um, as kind of that commentary voice and kind of the leader in that um, 
industry trend that maybe that article is exploring. Um, I know we've seen a bigger demand with our uh, trade media contacts. They're really looking for that. You know, when they reach out, they just like we kind of talked about journalism, don't have the capacity, the staffing to really be doing some of those deeper dive articles. So that's a great opportunity for you as the um, kind of expert and obviously trying to grow the awareness of your brand to step in and say, you know, I can help with that. Um, we have some great, you know, expertise in-house that I think just we have a lot to say to that. Um, so we've really seen a big shift from that where they do still take your press releases, but I think there's a lot more opportunity to control the message, the narrative, and really growing, I think, beyond just the product update or whatever that piece of news is that you're trying to share and digging deeper. Um, I'll also say I think public speaking events and trade shows, obviously, we didn't have that for a number of years, but I think they're kind of on the comeback. I think people really do miss that in-person connection and we're seeing more of that. So talking points, um, that's another big opportunity in supporting those kind of podcast or live speaking event opportunities. We're seeing that a lot more. I think people really want that authenticity of hearing directly from the person what they have to say. I mean, that's why you guys are tuning in today. Obviously, you know, it really matters to hear from people themselves about um, what they can speak to in terms of their expertise. So we're helping with that as well, those speaking engagements, making sure that that messaging is consistent throughout. Um, and then I definitely think you're also continuing to see, you know, those product profiles and, and those press releases being picked up and covered. But um, there's just a lot of variety that can go into it. Um, I think Q&A um, interviews are another really interesting format where it's a little bit more candid, but it's still a written format. Um, and we're getting a lot of support from um, trade editors, I think, also looking to do that because it still lets them kind of own the message that's going out, but it's, you know, a little bit easier format wise for them to run with and everything. So like I said, lots of different legs to how you execute your PR strategy, but I think it is important to be taking advantage of those different ways too, because they think they each serve their own um, mode of getting a specific part of your message out. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, the other thing that comes to mind is like, um, and John Joyce kind of spoke to it a little bit in the chat here. PR is the original influencer marketing um, is what he said. And I yep. like, you know, we were talking as we were preparing for this conversation uh, and you've already mentioned like thought mm -hmm. leadership, um, like showcasing your your subject matter experts internally. Mm -hmm. But like instead of just having it come from your company, yeah, your logo, you're having it. It's It's almost like a a type of social proof, but just yeah. like the enhanced credibility of it coming from this trusted mm -hmm. publication, this trusted source, news yep. source um, instead. So yeah, I guess like, what have you seen as far as like how, how it enhances credibility um, with uh, the the companies that you've worked with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there is a trade publication for every niche industry out there, which I absolutely love. I think that's fascinating. But I think when you look at the people that we're trying to speak to and engage um, with our business, they're often people that are already subject matter, subject matter experts in their own right. You know, it's those engineering audiences, the sales team. I mean, they themselves are really owning their own products and their own business and they know it well. And we're trying to engage them and say, here's why my solution is the best solution to you know, work with what you already have going. Um, but they really like their research. They are not just making these decisions lightly. You know, they want to be very much so informed. And I think public relations is really helping to get that message out there and really establish why your product is the best or why your expertise is the best um, mm -hmm. over someone else that maybe just is kind of just promoting their products um, at face value and not going beyond that. Because I know that all the products that your company is specializing in, I mean, it takes a lot of you know, innovation and, and intentional design to go into them. And I think PR is really helping to kind of peek behind the curtain and show the process of that and and what goes into that and why it is the best solution on the market that they should be engaging with. Julie had a really good question in the chat that I think is a nice follow-up to this. Mm -hmm. And this could maybe be a question for other marketers in the call too, but like, what kind of business happenings typically warrant a press release or just like a PR motion in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I always say go back to like the basics of journalism when you're kind of thinking about the newsworthiness of something and and what is the right way to kind of execute it. You know, you want to make sure that you're very familiar with the five W's of what news it is you're trying to share. You know, the who, the what, the when, the where, the why. 
Um, but then also, I think going back to um, what really makes it newsworthy, there are kind of seven things I was taught in journalism school for um, newsworthiness. So some of it is definitely the impact. What is the impact of what you're trying to share, whether it's on the people, the industry, um, maybe your overall just product line, um, the timeliness of it too. You know, is this a product that is launching um, but has a really, really long runway before it's even going to hit production? Is it really the time yet to be making that announcement or should we look more in that, you know, two to three year window or something? Um, proximity, definitely. You know, if it's a local, let's say, um, charity engagement that your company is doing, that's great. But is someone out in California going to really care what I'm doing in Iowa? Um, human interest. I think sometimes B2B uh, doesn't always get humanized, but what we're um, promoting is such a solution solver and really doing impactful work across the globe. So I think that too, leverage the human interest side of it um, because there are humans that are operating You know what we're doing. There are humans impacted by what, um, what our companies are doing. Um, Your customers are human. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, conflict and the bizarre, you know, is is there something that your uh, solution is solving that others in the industry aren't looking at right now? Or is there something unique happening, like you're driving a wheel loader across the country, you know, just weird things like that. And then the celebrity of it, too, you know, there's always that kind of famous tie-in aspect where um, that maybe isn't always the most apt with our business, but, um, you know, that could be an example of maybe some kind of partnership that you're doing with another big leading brand and and trying to focus it in on there. So those are kind of the tests that I think we try to guide our clients on um, in terms of, is this really something that we should be sharing? Is this really what we should be investing our social capital into? I know that was something I kind of talked about. Um, I think sometimes there are some companies just that think everything is news and that everybody cares about everything that we're doing. Um, and I don't think that that is always the best uh, tactic because there's limited amount of space that trade media can dedicate even on their website. Um, as we continue to see things being pushed more digital, you don't want to be putting everything and anything out there. Um, and that's where that strategy comes in of what's the right way to tell it, when is the right time to tell it, um, and what really makes this newsworthy so that when you are sharing something, people are listening. They're not just assuming, oh, this is yet another thing that they're just putting out. They're not giving it merit that it probably should have. Yeah, just because you write a press release does not mean that it. Oh, I sent it out on PR Newswire, yep. and now the whole world knows about it. it you know, yes. It's like it's that's just not how it works. A lot of times, what happens, especially if you are writing a press release that doesn't mm -hmm. hit on those seven um, newsworthy like yep. uh, notes, uh, then it lands in an editor's inbox, mm -hmm. and it's just going to sit there. Yeah, I had the joy of um, mm -hmm. working in the election cycle um, a couple mm -hmm. uh, election cycles ago. And um, I was working for a, uh, a, a basically a super PAC and our issue was like not the most important issue of that mm -hmm. election cycle. It just wasn't. And my job was literally to get earned placements on mm -hmm. this topic alone. And we were sending out press releases left and right, you know, mm -hmm. all of these different things. Uh, and like no one cared about the issue. And it got mm -hmm. to the point as a young marketer, like I realized um, how I was like hurting my chances mm -hmm. of actually mm -hmm. placing uh, placing media because I just kept sending yeah. these like new releases, these pitches that were just kind of falling flat because they weren't mm -hmm. tied specifically to um, – the impact or, you know, the celebrity or the, the whatever. It wasn't tied to something very uh, that was like going to motivate an editor mm -hmm. to say, oh, I need to put, put this in my paper or I need to yeah. you know, read this um, article here. Yeah. I think it's causing inspiring like the, the, the next step. Yes. So, like you have yeah. to have the relationship too right. with these publications afterwards, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, you brought up a great point just even when you said earned i think it's called earned for a reason you've earned your place to have it featured you've earned that spot you know in their coverage because you've built that relationship you've established why you are that industry expert you've established why this is something noteworthy that that their readers and their audience needs to know um and i think that is something to be you know you have owned you have paid and you have earned as kind of some of the main channels for kind of content and i think sometimes uh pr or your efforts can be used across all you know i don't think it needs to only be oh well if i put an article out and earned i can't then you know share it on my own blog or that i can't then use that in some way 
in a paid placement, I think that's a great opportunity too to remember that, you know, you, I think often we're kind of similar um, to nonprofit marketers sometimes where we're doing a lot as a very small team. Um, so really trying to be strategic about where you're putting your efforts is totally, you know, something that we're all top of mind um, when we're looking at our strategies for the year. But but know that PR, I think it really does serve the opportunity and the content and the investment that you're making in that can be used across as other tactics. So we're getting a lot of um, stuff here in the chat. And I know we've been pulling a few things in. Um, one thing that we've talked about is like building, uh, well, one, folks are curious about just like generally getting started. Um, mm-hmm. like any tips that you have there? Um, and I know uh, you mentioned press releases too. Mm-hmm. I also want to maybe invite Chris to join the conversation. Chris, uh, if you're willing to unmute, but yeah, we'll go to Eliana first. And then Chris, I'd love to hear more about like how you like transitioned the content that you were making um, into subject matter expert content uh, and tell us a little bit more about that. But yeah, Eliana, I'll, I'll hand it to you first. Yeah. Yeah. Tips for getting started. Um, I definitely think there is, um, like I said, figuring out what that fundamental messaging and positioning is of your company. And I think that needs to go beyond just the about us section on your website or the values and the mission on your website, really making sure that you're aware of where do we want to establish ourselves and our expertise um, and have that be the foundation for everything then you're kicking off with your paid media efforts. You know, all of your product announcements, all of your speaking engagements should be tying back to really how do you want to position yourself in the industry and why you are the best at what you do. Um, and I think that really helps to give you legs to then be able to take that messaging and figure out how you splice it up and how you um, really leverage it in the variety of announcements that you're trying to do. Um, I also think it's really important to build relationships with um, the trade media, um, but then also local media as well. I think PR can be scaled. It does not have to be on that national, international level. I think local media um, has as much merit sometimes, depending on the audience that you're engaging as others. Um, And that can be as simple as sending an email and introducing yourself um, to kind of break through the noise of everything they get in their inbox making that phone call, asking to get that cup of coffee. It's it's more on the local level. But I think more often than not, editors love to know the face behind the name and that you're not just another email, you know, bombarding their inbox. Um, And then there are a lot of great tools that I use. I think AP style um, and really being um, aware of kind of what some of those style recommendations are um, has a lot of great resources. Um, That tends to be the default for a lot of media. Um, I know especially mainstream follows AP style very often. Um, Public Relations Society of America is another um, professional development organization I'm in. They have a lot of great free resources online um, for people about just what are best practices in PR, the ethics, that kind of thing. So I highly always like to plug them uh, to check out um, and see if there's somewhere in your area that there's some kind of PRSA chapter active. They very often are looking to provide resources, even if you're not a member, um, to um, budding marketers and PR professionals. And then from a writing standpoint, I'm sure we're all familiar with Grammarly, but um, PR, you have to be a great writer. You know, you don't want a ton of typos and, and grammatical errors going out in your announcement because that that digs away your credibility. So those are some tools or, or resources I wanted to plug, at least for those looking to get started. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe, uh, it, Jared, if you're willing to be on deck after Chris, because uh, you, you had some things that you've said that you were successful in building the relationships and maybe we can take the conversation there. Yeah. But yeah, Chris, I, I'm curious, like, so like, you know, Eliana just gave us some advice on like just getting started maybe from like scratch almost, but like, it sounds like what you did at a previous company was you had um, some existing content and things that you were doing, and then you shifted it to be used um, in a more public-facing way? Kind of. Okay. Uh, Tell me more. Well, I was brought in to create a digital marketing, you know, department that didn't exist. And you you come in and there's all these contracts in place already. Like Uh, publication contracts? Yep. Yeah. And almost all of them are just chock full of print ads. Uh, and I was careful not to just, you know, end all these relationships that this company has had for 20 years. So I think a key, a couple of keys is like, understand it can be a partnership. And if you treat them as a vendor, they're going to try and sell you print ads and stuff like that. But 
they also know it's in their best interest for this evergreen content. Like the the demand is high for that stuff and you have subject matter experts and they'll help you figure that out. Um, so it was important for me to transition away from print ads while also kind of leveraging this budget that was already moving. And we already had some SMEs doing stuff like webinars. And, you know, this was at the, the summer after COVID. So no trade shows. What are we doing? It, it helped provide another channel for this, this stuff to happen. And I sure, I'm sure they've come a long way since then. Um, but what was interesting is since they've doing print ads and other mediums, some of them are still learning how to do this stuff. So they're willing, but that's where it's just, if you treat it like a partnership conversation, one, um, they're willing to engage and learn uh, to the point where I got, I got one of them to stop trying to offer me email blast too. And they had never done a LinkedIn program before. I said, I don't care about the results. I just want one post per week from you guys. Even if it's 2000 followers over here and 20,000 in your email list right? I appreciate the 2000 more than I do the 20,000. So that's key. Number two is under, just understand what's going to happen at the end of this. Like, what is the result you're looking for? Have a goal. How many people is it really going to get in front of? And, you know, using those, those things and understanding they want, they should want what's best for you as well. Uh, cause of what, like if you give them great stuff and they put you in a position to win, then they're going to get, you know, visibility and more people doing that too. So, um, yeah, that was my, my story. That's really cool that you just didn't kind of say, oh, well, we have a contract and I guess I'm just locked into print ads until the next two years, you know, or, or whatever. You were like, okay, like how can I massage this to be more effective for the audience that I know I'm going after and to get the 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 kind of traffic and the kind of attention. Um right. And it's and I, they were willing to do that with you too. Well they kind of had to or else they the contracts would have would have ended. Uh and they all understood that. Cause I mean that's where you just, if you can recognize them as a peer, they're living in the same world we are. Uh, they know the value of print ads, maybe not what it used to be. Everybody's moving to digital. They're all trying to figure out their own ways of creating content. Um, that is one gotcha. Like, be careful if, if you pay for a spot somewhere, just because they say they do webinars doesn't mean they're necessarily very good at doing webinars. There's another learning curve for your SMEs. If you're just going to throw them out there, if they've never used the webinar software before. So just building that relationship i think is key um but then understanding it's just a channel and if you treat it like a piece of the strategy then you can change these things because at the same time we had uh you know press releases like 100 slots and we were using them for the monthly newsletter and at that point obviously your smes might not be used to participating this much but now if you can use one piece of content and give it to the publisher and then it makes sense to do a PR about it too, you, you're repurposing in that way. So a lot of this stuff can work together. Um, uh, yeah. Love that. I echo everything Chris is saying. I think the key thing was like he said, it's a partnership, it's a relationship. Um, they're not just going to give you something for the sake of giving it to you. Um, and I think that goes back to kind of that capital too, you know, like don't only look for opportunities to promote a product, make sure that you are helping them to advance their message and what they're trying to say. You know, they want to be looked at as experts uh, in in their own right too. You know, they're the vehicle for getting those insights out. So loved everything Chris was saying. He's exactly like on the nail of kind of taking maybe what you were doing on one side of a channel and really how can you kind of stretch it out to to make maximum effort of the limited capacity, budget, you know, whatever you're working with. Awesome. So uh, another, I know we were talking a little bit about getting started. Uh, and Jared, if you've got some additional like tips on how you've been able to build those relationships, Eliana suggested like some 
copies and, you know, like actually like getting to know the local folks. But like, yeah, uh, I know that some of these trade publications y'all are working with are not necessarily right in your own backyard. So curious how you've started to network and, and get in there. Yeah, my, mine kind of started on accident. Um, so one one of the industries we're really uh, involved with is the foundry industry. And when I first started here, I knew nothing about it. And at trade shows, I would just kind of walk around uh, to try to learn stuff. And I happened upon booths for some of the organizations. They're not even necessarily trade publications as much as organizations that kind of support each other group stuff. Like there's the American Foundry Society is a big one. Um, and they do a lot with political stuff as well. Um, but essentially every time I'm at a show, I just go to their booth, I hang out, I talk with the people there, um, build some relationships, have a lot of ongoing emails back and forth with them. Um, sometimes they'll see things we put out and they'll ask if they can use it or other times I'll send them stuff. Uh, but trade shows are a good way as a marketer to make those connections with those publications and and people who are part of those or- organizations. We also do a lot to support the local chapters as well. So going to events, um, whether it's doing advertising or, you know, sometimes there's one event we do a booth at that's not necessarily a huge ROI, but the value of being involved in the local chapter um, is worth a lot more than just being at the actual local trade show. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's kind of how we've built up that very, I mean, it's it's all niche, right? So we all know that it's, so it's a small group, but it's a powerful group. Yeah. When I was in-house, um, PR and like reaching out to those trade pubs was always part of my trade show planning strategy because they're going to be there anyways. Like invite them to come by the booth, like say hi, catch up with them. Um, but also like they're writing stories about the event too. So it's just like a really great built-in touch point that your company's already going to be doing. Um, I think that's a really good tip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll say too, booth visits are something that we help a lot of our clients with. So we'll do a lot of intentional outreach uh, ahead of a trade show and trying to get those slotted in times. Editor schedules are always in the flux, so we get sometimes if it doesn't work out. But um, then also making sure you're providing those talking points or or just those supporting materials too to those SMEs that maybe are going to be speaking to those experts. Unless you yourself are a representative, that's obviously great too. But um, that's another thing I think tactical wise that you can help make sure um, that your SMEs are prepared for that because often SMEs maybe aren't used to having that kind of more public facing role. Um, Sales team members have been a great um, resource too that we've leaned on to kind of help um, talk to trade media um, when they have been able to visit the booth. Yeah. And uh, I think that I've seen this too, just even for Gorilla. um, But what Chris said in the chat, you know, participating in the community, uh, echoing what Jared has said already too. Like it's, you're building social capital, right? So like you can't just expect to ask for things like and get them, you know, without giving a little bit back. So like, you know, if there is an event that you can go to and, and yeah, maybe that first time you're just a warm body in the room, but you're going to be able to meet folks there and uh, network with them and establish more of that relationship. I think a lot of us just experienced this at Industrial Marketing Summit in Austin last week, too, where it's like you've solidified so many relationships because of that uh, personal connection. And it, uh, that does not always have to be like an in-person thing, but I think in-person um, events like trade shows, walking the floor, going to those smaller scale um, things can can really make make a difference, but also um, maybe it is a little bit of like the LinkedIn um, like commenting on their posts and like supporting them that way um, in like the digital world too, like to show that you actually care what they're posting about other things in uh, like the other things in the space, um, and you are part of that industry, not just expecting them to be your megaphone without, you know, helping them to, to, to nurture their own audience too. And like, uh, generate some, uh, some, some, some motion there with, uh, with comments and things on, on LinkedIn or uh, wherever they're posting content. Um, so yeah, I would just say that it's so worth it to go and like spend that time, uh, to get to know people, um, on the personal level. 
One thing I want to make sure we're able to talk about today, and it kind of goes with the question that Matthew asked, which was, how do you get uh, started with a PR strategy for manufacturers who have historically been sales oriented? And I think that's kind of venturing into like, what are some of the problems, not problems, but challenges with PR and like getting buy-in for it to kind of like do it right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is something that PR experts are always up against is trying to demonstrate the ROI. We'd be bad marketers if we didn't talk about ROI on this call, but um, it can be really hard sometimes because, you know, when you look at a paid placement, you can look at um, the cost of that click or that impression. Um, you can really get those numbers. And not to say that you can't get that numerical data with PR as well in terms of placements um, and pickups from trade media, if it's a press release or, or eyes on a website, you know, um, if it's a contributed article piece, something along those lines. But uh, I think PR is a lot more about the long game. And it's really that uh, relationship building and that um, kind of reputation building that you have going on where um, if you're doing it consistently, then I think over time you see that pay off because I think that's when you have the opportunity where you're not going to have to so actively be pitching yourself. But ideally, people start to come to you because they see you as the expert. They see the way you're able to contribute to the conversation and they want to get your perspective. Um, and that where, that's where I think it kind of goes back to being intentional about what you're putting out, really determining what is the value of what you're contributing to the conversation by putting that news out. I mean, there's always a reality, a new product. I think that always warrants some level of public relations to it. But um yeah, just really being intentional with what you're putting out there, um, because I think over time you will see that credibility continue to grow um, and it'll be a little bit less of you having to maybe push that narrative more and more and people coming to you. Um, and I think, too, then that's where owned content on your website and really making sure that really supports what you're trying to put out on the earn side um, is great because ideally People are going to read about you in a trade publication or they're going to see, you know, some kind of shared article on a um, LinkedIn post and they're going to want to know more about you. And then they're going to come to your website and there's going to be this plethora and wealth of, you know, resources and deeper dives on maybe what you started to set up in some of those efforts. Yeah. And I think when you talk about like getting sales on board, like mm -hmm. those new product press releases are probably really exciting for them. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet like the first time they have a customer come to them saying like, hey, we saw you in XYZ publication and that is like prompting them to start sales conversations. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that's, I think, where you start to see like a snowball effect with that, you know, um, ROI. Mm -hmm. And I think sales and marketing often sometimes it's almost like they're like headbutting. I think we all are kind of speaking the same language, but I think sometimes we don't always feel like we are on the same side. And I think PR can be a really great bridge and gap to that because I think it really is helping to lay out basically like what is the sales pitch that those the sales team is making? Like they want to be seen as the best of the best and that your solution is the best. But I think often our audience wants to know why and they want to know the story behind it. Um, and I think, like I said, PR and earned content opportunities really give you the ability to tell that story more in-depthly. Yeah, this makes me think about just like, okay, we're, uh, you still need your marketing fundamentals yeah. here before you are starting to push out. Like you said, you want your, your sales story. You yeah. like, I mean, going into this, if you don't have clear positioning for your company, if you don't have clear like messaging about your product, um, you might be jumping in a little premature. I mean, Absolutely. Um, what do you think folks need to have before? they start to embark on uh, their own PR journey. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always great to take kind of an internal inventory of like, what are the existing materials that you have? Because I will say like product spec sheets are often a great wealth of resource for me when I'm I'm diving into a you know new product that my client is maybe putting out. Because again, you want that messaging to be consistent. It might be a little bit more sales heavy and very, you know, marketing language on the product spec side, but what are kind of those key insights that you can pull out about like the efficiencies of that product or the leg up um, from a previous iteration that this new iteration of the product has? I mean, I think what they're trying to sell is or sell as the unique benefits are the things that you can really look at and say like, oh, that has a lot of wealth of information to it. And that really ladders up to some of those bigger conversations I'm seeing in the industry. 
Um, let's dig into that. So I think it's definitely making sure that you have an inventory and awareness of what are already the existing materials that you have, what are they really saying, and then kind of thinking about strategically, like how does that ladder up to our overall, like you said, positioning, and then what's the bigger industry conversation saying? I think mapping can be really critical to kind of think about how do you take this one slice of the pie and, and make it stand out to the bigger story that's going on. I almost think this could be a maybe you've experienced the challenge. Like some, one of the things that folks, our, our clients tell us they really appreciate about working with Gorilla is that we kind of force them to do workshops and like mm-hmm. get, in, get all the leadership, all the stakeholders in the room. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think that as an in-house marketer, if you've got a company that had like, like what Chris was experiencing, he joined the company, they had all these contracts and they were just doing print ads and like, mm-hmm. it's already like locked and loaded. Obviously like leadership is just like, this is what marketing does. Mm-hmm. But it could be a good opportunity to say like, hey, I'm willing to keep doing this, but mm-hmm. I'd like to um, maybe reorient and align. And, and maybe it's a way that you can say, we'll do this, but let's improve how we're doing it. Yep. And uh, just get maybe those internal stakeholders in a room to get that messaging that you might be missing yep. before you keep just spinning your wheels, uh, pushing out press releases that aren't going to go anywhere. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We really often try to see if we can get interviews set up with those subject matter experts, whether they are the product manager, the sales manager, or maybe even that engineer that helped, you know, work on whatever the project is um, to get that kind of more technical insight. Because I think when you can get them on board and often, I mean, I hope that they're really proud of what they're working on. Um, when you get their buy-in, the message really becomes clear because I think you can just tell like where that pride comes from, where that expertise comes from, from naturally talking to them. So yeah, those conversations are so critical. Um, PR is only as, I think, effective as some buy-in can make it because you can't get that story out there if people aren't willing to help you tell it. You know, you can craft it to an extent based on what you have at your your disposal. But we only as marketers know so much and can only go so far. That's where you really need that buy-in from, um, like you were saying, kind of those key sales contacts and everything. Sure. Uh, I know that we uh, have covered a lot of ground, but maybe we start to wrap up here with more of a just a, a nuts and bolts kind of question. And uh Noelle had one early on about, we were talking a little bit, I, I name dropped a PR Newswire um, earlier, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of folks on this call right now, um, 50 plus of you have probably used other ones that are maybe a little bit more specific to your industry. Uh, curious if you have any like guidance for folks um, as far as like distribution and uh, just different tools that you've used to use this channel effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Newswire definitely has its place. Um, I will say it is kind of a way that you are paying to get your news out there. You know, there is a cost that goes with putting something on the wire and you will get a lot of syndicated coverage and pickup. And that can be great depending on what the news is. But I think it goes back to that ROI conversation I don't want you to falsely believe that just because you're getting a lot of that syndicated coverage or pickup, that it is then translating into that reputation building and really that strategic, you know, credibility building that I think, like I said, is really the ultimate goal of PR because it goes back to, are you getting that right message to the right people at the right time? Just because it's running on a website of a local TV station in Kansas doesn't mean that that engineer that also lives in Kansas is seeing it type of thing. So again, I I am all behind PR news where I definitely think it has its place, but I think that's where it's important too to build those media lists and figure out like who are those, you know, trade association contacts, those trade media contacts that you need to be talking to. I think for the most part, emails are pretty easy to find. Um, so we very actively try to keep an up-to-date media list and and we'll even segment it out further, you know, if there's a specific product group that you're focused on and there are specific contacts within that product group even. I mean, as niche as you can kind of make it, that can be to your benefit. Um, in terms of the actual like programs that we've used, um, we have used Mail Meteor, which is like an extension just for like making your life easier. It, it kind of is a pre-populated template that you can just drop the text in and it helps to kind of push it out to that audience of um, media contacts you maybe identify through Google. I think it's a Google extension. 
Um, and then we've also used Campaign Monitor, which is a little bit of a leg up. Um, and I think both of those do have free options, uh, but paid plans as well. But that lets you kind of craft a little bit more of a design layout, you know, to make it look a little bit nicer and not just maybe like an attached Word document. Um, Meltwater is another kind of um, coverage and distribution uh, media channel that we'll use. Um, it has a really great search function to kind of see where are you getting mentions and pick up um, from both on the news side, but also on like blogs, YouTube, social media. Um, and it also has a distribution function as well where you can build media lists um, within that. Um, Muckrack is another one that I have heard as well. So those are some very like specific programs that I'm aware of outside of just Newswire that maybe don't have the same level of cost associated, uh, but have a little bit more resources that you can use beyond just, like I said, the, the text and the attached images type of thing. Aaron dropped two in the chat too. Mm -hmm. um, Hunter.io yeah. and Apollo.io which we've both we've used um, here and it sounds like others have as well, just to find email addresses, mm -hmm. like the initial contact um, yeah. without having a, a big expense. I know Apollo has um, a paid function, but like if you're just using it and you're not exporting um, big lists, right, Aaron, am I, am I, am I speaking to that correctly? Yeah, Blair pointed out that Apollo is not free. And I remember for the e email credits, you have to pay for those. But you can build like company lists and use it to identify trade publications uh, and build company lists for free. But if you want to export anything in bulk, you usually have to pay for it. Yeah. But hey, if you get it and you get started, you build your list, you start managing that almost like your own. Uh, like You really should have your own spreadsheet uh, and and maybe even like build a, a separate like segmented list in your CRM of these contacts that you're managing, maintaining, um, and nurturing those relationships just like you would, uh, you know, because this, especially if you're, you know, that lone wolf marketer, that team of one, uh, if you this is a great way um, to have somebody in your corner to help you spread the message. Um, and, uh, but you have to nurture those relationships along the way. So, uh, so, so yeah, definitely keep track of your contacts as you get them. Uh, don't just like let them live in your inbox and <laughs> sigh in your inbox. It's like with any publication, there is turnover, you know, so like that's like why I said it's great if even on a quarterly basis, you're just kind of going and doing a Google on or checking LinkedIn to see like, are they even still with that publication type of thing? Because um, it just it's less of a headache than when you when you do have that piece of news that you want to share. You do have that article that you want to see if they're interested in picking up and, oh, no, the editor's not there. And, and now I have to put more time into finding a new contact. So, mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. But if you have the previous contact, maybe they left on good terms and yeah. they can like just introduced and, you know, all those different things. So yeah, definitely. Well, shoot. What a day. Um, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. Eliana, thank you so much for coming on uh, to talk to us about this topic. Uh, it's definitely something that's important. I think that it's just another hat that so many uh, folks on this uh, in this community have to wear. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I think one thing we didn't talk about here, and maybe we just end with this, but like, uh, you know, when do you like, when should you outsource this? Because um, I know like it's something that obviously you're, this is your whole job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, folks have just been asking that question a lot too. Yeah, you know, I think it really somewhat depends on maybe taking scope of like, what does the year look like for you? You know, if you know that there is like one effort per quarter that's probably going to require a, a big lift from you, maybe that's manageable on your team. But I think really looking at it from a year perspective and thinking just effort wise, when does it make sense that, yeah, that is something I can take on capacity wise, but um, no, I'm probably not going to have the capacity because I know that we have three trade shows uh, that spring. We have two product launches. And then, of course, there's that speaking opportunity that we just suddenly got in our inbox. Um, capacity is key. I think sometimes PR is what gets shorted um, if there isn't the capacity. So um, there's definitely an opportunity, I think, where you need to look with your team and say, what makes sense for us? Um, I think even some of the strength of writers in-house too, like I said, I think very fundamentally, um, our department is just great writers. Um, and if maybe writing is not your strong suit, that is something that you can learn. But is it worth it, you know, to kind of dig into that versus maybe outsourcing is an opportunity there. 
Um, and I think some, some of that in-depth coverage opportunity too. Um, I know there are a lot of freelance public relations experts, but um, they're trained in kind of that really deep dive interview um, style and and can really dig into that technical meat that maybe you don't have the capacity to, or it's just maybe not um, kind of what you were trained in initially. Um, so you don't want the quality to be forsaken because of capacity. Gold. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, well, folks, thank you all for joining us again uh, today. Uh, if you want to keep the conversation going in between now and uh, our next session um, in a couple of weeks, uh, well, you can join us in Slack. We have an Industrial Marketing Live Slack community and just post in the chat, DM one of us, uh, one of the gorillas on LinkedIn, and we'll get you added to that community. Our next Industrial Marketing Live, we are going to be talking about the art of the CTA. Uh, we have talked about calls to action before and like, you know, creating that conversion path on your website before. But I really see this discussion as being something like set on goals. You know, whenever we are um, in demand generation campaigns, we're focused on building like demand for those high intent, high value leads that go through your pipeline very quickly. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think we default to like the CTA being request a consultation. And that that's a, a big ask, you know, uh, of people like, are, are, you just saw our ad, request a consultation now, <laughs> you know, um, is that it? Um, and so I would like to just have a conversation with uh, some of the the writers here at the Gorilla team about uh, what other asks are valid, what other asks can gain you traction um, and still be focused on that high intent, high value um, lead that's coming in. So that's kind of what I'm thinking for our conversation next time. Uh, again, I just want to say thank you to uh, Eliana and Aaron and Chris and Jared and everyone has been contributing in the chat. Uh, today for the for the conversation and that's all I've got folks we'll see you next time <laughs>